Hey, um, I was uh, going through our offices this past week, and uh, Tiffany, our kids minister, she she had this stuff going on in her office. I'm like, hey, explain what's going on with that. And she said that the kids ministry is doing this series called War Games. And all the kids, I think this is two and three-year-olds, all the kids, two and three-year-olds, every year they get a new piece of equipment. They get a sword, a sword, I'm looking at it from back here. They get a sword uh, one week, and one week they get a shield. One week they get a belt of truth. They get their feet shod with the preparation of peace. And I thought that was really cool. So I wanted to, I just want to bring this out. And I just want to tell you a couple things. First of all, it's always good. There are churches all over the place doing some incredible things for kids' ministry, but it's always encouraging to me when people take an extra step. This is an extra step. Would you agree with that? That's a, first of all, that's a really cool thing. And, and uh, thanks to us and our kids' uh, minister that your kids are going to be running around the house fighting with these things. So first of all, you're welcome. You're welcome. Second, there is no better investment than, than these things. There's no better investment. There's no better investment than, than kids' ministry. I, I can tell you this, and uh, from the very beginning, this ministry has had an emph- emphasis on kids. But the idea behind that is not only are we reaching the church of tomorrow, they are an element of the church today. But I can tell you, when I was young, I, I look back at my years and growing up in a pastor's home in a church, and I can tell you at, at, at six and seven and eight years old, I really can't remember things that my dad preached about. I can't remember any of the songs when I was that age. I can't remember a lot of things that happened at church, but I can, I can name every one of my Sunday school teachers. And I can tell you a lot of the things that they said, because that, as a kid, was the biggest impact on my life. The kids, the kids, the people that spoke into my life when I was three, four, five, and six years old, I remember the things that they said. I remember the way they rewarded me for memorizing my Bible verses. I remember the illustrations. Back then, does anybody remember a flannel graph? I mean, now we got televisions, and back then you had these little, does anybody not know what a flannel graph is? Okay. Flannel graph is where you take paper, paper, you know, cut out, images and you put them on a piece of what is called a flannel board and your Sunday school teacher would say and Jesus and she would take Jesus and stick him on that little flannel board. I mean that was like that was like cartoons that didn't move when I was little but I remember everything I remember many things that our student that that my teachers told me so the reason I'm telling you this is one of the biggest impacts that you can make in ministry today and serving I'm telling you this because if you're not serving anywhere at Faith Co. Church serve in the kids ministry. If I weren't doing this, I would be serving in the kids ministry. I think it's the best job in the house. First of all, you can be sarcastic and have fun at their expense, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I don't mean that. But first of all, you impact the lives of young kids, which is the future of the church. Second of all, it it is a blessing to you. So if you're not serving anywhere at Faith Go Church, get involved in growth track. You, we do a background check on you. So if you've got issues in your past, I can't tell you, you we're going to let you work with kids. But anyway, go through growth track, do the time or whatever, as far as, you know, all that training and whatever, and get involved in kids ministry. You believe that? Say amen. 
Well, we are continuing a series called First Things, and this is a special week because today is the day that we kick off our seven-day fast. And first of all, hear me out before you get up and walk out. Okay, <laughs> people are having us not eat for seven days. But uh, there's a lot of different ways to fast. There's uh, some people are just fasting uh, are fasting food. Some people are fasting certain types of food. There's a Daniel fast where you only eat fruits and vegetables. Uh, there are people that I talk to. Some people I'm just not eating anything associated with carbs, whatever it is, as long as it is dietary. Just make sure that that you that you affect your diet this week and do whatever. Some people are kicking it off today. Some people I'm kicking. I'm actually kicking it off tomorrow. But anyway, this is a special day that we. This is a special week that we use every single year to remind us of our calling, to remind us of what God has called us to do as a church. So if you're here and you need change in your life and you feel like that you can't get a hold of God for some reason or you, can't, you feel like there's a change that needs to take place and it's not happening, I'm going to talk to you today about what I feel is the most significant thing that can impact your life and that is fast and prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you Lord for bringing us here today and thank you for the opportunity that we have to sit in and listen and, and, and receive what you want to say to us. I pray, Lord, that you would let my words be bold and clear to speak to your church today and challenge us and teach us just what and how powerful it is when we fast and pray. In Christ's name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you can do this. You can do this. Now, one of the things that we're doing is we are not just fasting. Now, I'm talking about fasting today, but Fasting must be coupled with prayer. So anytime I say fasting, think fasting and prayer. One of the things that we're doing is we're reminding the church that we're going to be opening up the church on Wednesday to pray. First of, first of all, at 7.30 a.m. for you early risers and people that want to pray before you go to work. 7.30 a.m. Wednesday morning. And it's not a prayer meeting. We're going to pray. It's a prayer service. We'll be up here and, 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 and we'll, we'll actually, the, the 7.30 morning, We'll actually meet over in the living room area. But at 7 o'clock at night on Wednesday, everybody say 7 o'clock Wednesday night. We're going to have a prayer service for the entire church in this room right here. So it's going to be a prayer service. I'll talk. We'll we'll play some music. And then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray for our church. Uh, We're going to mention some of the prayer requests that we have. And uh, we'll have a a prayer service. So you'll definitely want to be here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I know that we have a, a, a connect group or a small group prayer meeting at 630 so uh, we want that group to be a part of that, uh, absolutely, at 7 o'clock Wednesday night, church-wide prayer service. So as we've been talking about prayer, I decided, or we decided that we were going to create, or we found a tool that, uh, at a conference we went to called a prayer, it's a prayer first prayer guide. And this is a prayer guide that actually, there's a letter in it from me at the very beginning, and, and it talks a little bit uh, about different prayers, like the Lord's Prayer and how that applies in our lives, and the prayer of Jabez, the prayer of blessing in our lives. Then there's different scriptures that back up. See, uh, something that I've realized is people don't pray, and they have, a trouble, they have trouble praying more than 60 seconds because we don't know how to pray. Well, this is a how-to prayer, and it, and it looks at different prayers and different people in scripture, and there's, you know, from Old Testament to New Testament. And then at the very back, there's specific things that we can pray for that you can write down. There are notes. So, like in the example, it says, uh, praying for those who need God. So, it tells a little bit about that. And then, 
the notes in the back. Oh, uh, personal prayer focus. It starts out with uh, things that, you know, the Bible tells us to pray for. It says, pray for my government. Who's the president, the national leader? So how many of you know that our government needs prayer today? Would you agree with that? So, uh, so you write down, and, and, and you, you know, we don't always get along as far as politics, but at the same thing, we're supposed to pray for our government. Amen? Amen? The Bible tells us to. Okay, pray for my family, my spouse, my children, my parents, uh, siblings, extended family. Pray for my church. Who's the pastor? How many of you know that I need you to pray for me? Absolutely. You better be praying for me. Okay. All right. Uh, small group leader, your uh, connect group leader. And, you know, pray for my life. Uh, pray for my boss. And then those who need God. There's different things. This is a, a prayer guide. It's a very powerful thing. We found this. We got these for about uh, $8 a piece. So if you would like, and I strongly recommend, it's a small investment. You can stop by Faithco, and, uh, and we're going to just give these away for what we've got in them for $8 a piece. How many of you like to have one of these? Would you like to? You know what? I'm feeling generous. I'm going to give this one away. Does anybody want this one? Who, who screamed? It would be Julie. Julie, come here. You can have this one. You going to use this, Julie? All right. You're not going to use it for kindling? Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Julie got one. Well, that doesn't seem very fair. Julie got one and you didn't get one. Why are you happy? You didn't get one. You know what? I think everybody should get I think you should get a journal. I think you should get a journal. I think everybody should get a journal. It's not fair that Julie gets one. So you know what? We're going to give everybody a journal today. You get a journal. You get a journal. Everybody gets. We're slinging journals at Faith Coast Church today. We're getting crazy in the house. Slinging prayer journals. Listen, we're serious. I want you to use that. I want you to apply that to your life and uh, want to put a tool in your hand uh, for this week. This is a special, special week. As I said before, I want to talk about the life-changing power of prayer and fasting. Let's real quickly talk talk about what fasting is about. First of all, it's about purpose. Fasting is about purpose. And when I talk about purpose, I'm talking about the right motive. A lot of times people don't understand why we fast. So what, what's the purpose of fasting? Jesus lines this up in Matthew 6 and 16, and he says this. When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a hypocrite. For they try to look miserable and disheveled. This is funny to me. They try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth that that's, that, that is their reward that they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair. Apparently, people weren't combing their hair when they were fasting. Comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So, so when we talk about the purpose of fasting, we have to understand what it's about. First of all, fasting is a spiritual discipline. I want you to go back to the, the, the previous verse. Jesus says this. He says, when you fast. Notice that he doesn't say, if you fast. 
He says, when you fast. In other words, as followers of Christ, fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's, something, it's not just something we read about in the Bible. It's not just something that we talk about. It's just something that we do. We remind you every single year, and we take this time to remind us that it is a spiritual follower of Christ discipline. It's, tar- it's part of your faith, and it's part of your walk. It's another thing that when we talk about the purpose of fasting, we understand that it is a personal discipline. It's not, it's not something that we want to advertise. And that's what he was saying here in this verse. It's not something you want to keep it on the DL. Why? Because people are impressed when we, have, when we show discipline. Discipline is always something that impresses people. Well, fasting is a discipline, and it takes discipline. It's not, it's not easy to do. So it's something that is between you and God simply because if an effective fast builds a certain characteristic. And that characteristic, number one, should be, should be humility. Humility happens. And I, if you've ever fasted for an extended amount of time, and maybe you've gone without food or whatever, when you fast for an extended amount of time, it builds more than anything, it builds humility in the life of a believer. And the Father knows our motives. So uh, what, ask yourself this question. What is your purpose for declaring this fast for the next seven days? What is the purpose behind that? It's a, it's a spiritual discipline, and it's a personal discipline. Number two, when we talk about fasting, we have to understand that it's about positioning. It's about your position in God, that God has a calling for you, and fasting, fasting builds what God wants to build in you in order to position you for that. And here's the deal. Self-denial positions us for godly purpose. Let me say that again. Self-denial positions us for God's purpose. Jesus said, if anybody's going to follow me, he must first deny himself. If anybody's going to follow the Lord, the first thing that we have to understand is self-denial. And denying your body will strengthen your spirit. Denying yourself, denying yourself of the things that you want every single day, that strengthens your spirit. And I, I can't always tell you why. Detoxing your body has a way of detoxing your spirit. And it becomes a very powerful thing. And therefore, fasting is a way of making us spiritually aware. But not only spiritually aware, but spiritually, uh, um, it makes us spiritually prepared for God's positioning in our lives. Amen? It, it, it prepares us. There is a preparation period for what, for the, there's a preparation see, season in your life that God has in order to prepare you for what he has for you. And we see this in Jesus' gospel. In Matthew 4 and 1, in Jesus' ministry. In Matthew 4 and 1, it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And it goes on to say that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And if you scroll down to the 17th verse, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. So I want you to see this, that Jesus, before he begins any of his ministry, before he begins to preach, before he begins all his miracles, the first thing that he does is he goes out into the wilderness and he fasts 40 days and 40 nights. And the Bible says not not only was God speaking to him and not only was he praying and communicating with God, but the devil came and tempted him. And this trial period was to strengthen the spirit of our, of, of our Lord in order to prepare him for what he was about to do. And then the 17th verse, and then the, and, and then the rest of the chapter talks about the things that Jesus did after his season of fasting. 17th verse says, from that time Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he begins to preach. In verse 18, 
He calls his disciples. In verse 32, it says, He went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people, so his fame spread. Only after his initial preparation through fasting did God begin to use him in miracles. You need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for what God has called us to do. And nothing prepares a heart and a spirit more than fasting. Fasting prepares us for God's positioning. How? How? Well, it builds character. It builds a godly character. It builds a godly integrity. Uh, We all need to learn how to say no to temptation. You agree with that? I heard somebody say one time, I can resist anything but temptation. If you're going to be used by God in a significant way, it is really important that you learn to say no to temptation. Because if you don't learn to say no to temptation, and you're talented, let's say that you're extremely talented, and, and you're blessed, and you're knowledgeable, and you got all these skills, and all of a sudden you're, you're recognized, and God puts you in a place, and a position where, where God is using you, and people know your name, and all of a sudden you're in a position where your character can't keep you. It happens a lot of times. It happens a lot of times that people's talent and ability takes them to a place where their character can't keep them. Well, fasting has a way of building a godly character and preparing us because it learns or it teaches us to say no to something that we want really bad, and that is, that is food. Listen to me. If you have an issue with something that's, that something's got a hold on your life, you've got a habit, you need to break free from something, Fast. I promise you, if you can say no to food for three days, you're not going to have a problem with gossip after that. Anything, any kind of spiritual hang-up, any kind of spiritual stronghold in your life, if you can't seem to get past it, fast. You got some kind of sexual addiction, you got something that you shouldn't be doing, fast. And fast until the temptation goes away because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, fasting will break the strongholds in your life. And that's why we do it, that's why we practice it. Nothing prepares you better than fasting. First of all, as I said before, this is how it builds us. First of all, it builds character. Second of all, it settles the calling of God in our lives. The first thing that the devil did to Jesus when he was in the wilderness was question his calling and his purpose and his identity with God. A lot of times that happens that that we begin to wonder well, I don't know if God's going to use you. I don't know if God, God has a plan or I don't know if God's going to, because of all these things that are going on, I don't know. I, I, I thought that this was where I was going. I thought that this was my calling and my purpose. And it, sometimes it's brought into question, but as you begin to fast, these thoughts begin to be eliminated from your mind and your heart and it settles It settles some things in your life. The enemy was like, prove yourself. Jesus said, I don't have to prove to you or anybody else who I am. Fasting settles once and for all who you are. Another thing that that we have to understand is when we fast, we have to understand that it's about our positioning in God for God's calling. But a lot of times we get that twisted and we think, I'm going to fast in order to get this. Well, I need this, or I need that, or that needs to happen, so I'm going to fast in order to get that. That's not the purpose of fasting. Now, I do believe that God works through our fasting in order to move in our lives 
and move some obstacles. However, that's not the purpose of fasting. Fasting isn't about what you can get from God. It's about how close you can get to God. It's about eliminating things and putting you in a position where God can speak to you about his calling. Fasting isn't about changing a situation as much as it is it about changing us because a lot of times we think we need to fast to change a situation but in fact what happens is we fast and God begins us begins to change us and it changes our perception or our perspective about a certain situation let me ask you this what is your response to the word holy if I were to tell you that we as a people of God need to live holy what do you think of a lot of times we think of righteousness we think of a divine nature. We think of the Lord when we think of holy. In fact, sometimes we think, I don't know if that holy, I don't know if I can do that. Or maybe you just think, holy cow. That's what you think of when you think, I don't know. But I think, sometimes I think our minds go to the divine when we think of holy. But the Hebrew word holy, it means to be set apart for a special purpose. To be holy is to be set apart for a special purpose service or a special purpose. Fasting separates you from what grips you in order to, in order for God to use you for his purpose. Are you hearing me? That's why we want to fast because if something has a hold on you that's keeping you from getting closer to God or being used from God, fasting separates you from whatever grips you in order for God to say, okay, now I'm going to set him apart. I'm going to set her apart for my special calling. So that's what it does. It places you where God can speak to you about the calling and also where, he can, where you can spiritually go to where God wants to take you. Fasting is about positioning. Fasting prepares you for what God has destined you to do. You believe that? Say amen. So fasting, we have to remember it's about the purpose. It's about the positioning. And lastly, it's about power. There is a godly spiritual power that happens only through fasting and prayer. And let me show you this. Mark 9 and 16, 9 and 16 Jesus walks up on his disciples and a few people from a community. And they're having this argue, argument about something. There's this ruckus. So Jesus walks up on this, Mark 9 and 16. It says this. Jesus says, what are you guys arguing about? And one of the men of the crowd spoke and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit, and it won't let him talk. And whenever this, and I want you to see the severity of this situation. He says, whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless People, he's talking to his disciples. You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell on the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, and it tries to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I was, I've read this story several times, 
And I thought to myself, why would somebody approach Jesus, who knew that he was a miracle worker, and say, well, I hope this works out. Or I hope that you can do this. I, I, I hope that, you know, if you can, Jesus, if you can. And Jesus has to stop and correct him and say, what do you mean if I can? This is not about if I can. This is about your faith. So you need to believe in this situation. And I thought, how does a person get to this? I believe it was years of bondage, years of bondage from this man's son. I believe it, it had taken its toll on this father. I believe that if you could just, if your mind could go there, nothing affects your faith, nothing disrupts your life like a suffering child. And I believe that this man heard about Jesus, but he had seen some of the things that, that where people had gotten healed and he had heard what Jesus had done and maybe he had seen a few miracles, but, and then here was Jesus and then there was the disciples. I don't know if he actually believed. He was actually praying. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. That's what happens a lot of times when something doesn't happen. In fact, maybe he saw other people get their needs met. Maybe he saw other people get healed. And then time after time, it didn't happen for him. I think years and years of this, and, and, and this suffering child took its toll on this father's life. You know, I believe that this family had an unusual, extreme situation. I'm going to show you why here in just a second. I wonder if anybody in this house can relate. Maybe you feel like you have an unusual, extreme situation that, that you've prayed and you believed, and you've listened to the preaching, and you've prayed, and you believed, and you wondered, and you actually saw other people, they got their needs met, or they got their financial blessing, or they got what they've been praying for, and you prayed, and you believed, and nothing. Maybe your situation is, maybe your situation is extreme like this family. The 25th verse says, let me, let me keep reading, when Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers of growing, he rebuked the evil, the evil spirit. Then he, he, he delivers this child and the spirit. Uh, the Bible says it screamed and threw the boy on the ground. This, this made this big scene. But Jesus delivered him. Mark 9 and 28 says, And then when they went back into the house, when nobody else was around, I mean, the last thing that they said or heard from Jesus was being like reamed out. Jesus was upset because of their lack of faith. So when nobody else was around, his disciples asked him, why could we not cast it out? I think that's a legit question. I really do. It's a great question. At other times, they were able to cast out demons. Why in the world did, did, did they not have the spiritual power? Have you ever felt like that? Like there were other times and I've prayed or I have believed, but in this situation, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels and it's not working out. I think that that's a legit question. Why in this particular moment? The 29th verse says this. So he said to them, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. I like this version for this passage. He said this, this kind can come out by nothing but fasting and prayer. And as I read that, I thought, wow, wow. 
Uh, Jesus, when he sent them out two by two, he gave them a power and authority to not only heal, but to cast out demons. Then he modeled it. And then they go out in the community and they were able to do those things. And Jesus had this expectation of his followers that this would take place. But something was going on. He was upset. He had the expectation. But it didn't, but it didn't deliver. They didn't deliver. And they got their spiritual behinds handed to them by the devil. So the, so Jesus said to them, how long am I going to have to be with you and how long is this going to take and when they finally said why not Jesus said this kind everybody say this kind this kind of warfare this kind of situation this kind of of enemy only comes out through fasting and prayer. In other words, there's going to be some spiritual battle that we all face that's going to require us to go just a little bit deeper. Like, I, I think that that's what we do a lot of times that, you know, as long as, you know, family's okay, job's okay, I feel like I'm doing okay with my walk with God, okay, we're just going to put it on cruise control for a while, but then something comes in or something happens in our lives that require us to go just a little bit deeper. I think that Jesus was giving us an example that there are some things that are going to require us to just dig a little bit deeper in our faith. There are some spiritual mountains that are a little bit steeper that the only time only way that you're going to get over this mountain or over this obstacle is through fasting and prayer there are some trials that feel like they take a little bit longer there are some issues there are some spiritual battles that require us to dig and dig and then even go deeper there are some kinds of oppression i believe that require us or that seems to hang on a little bit longer there are some kinds of strongholds there are some kinds of habits there are some kinds of addictions just like the disciples that got their behinds kicked sometimes it will kick our behinds in a spiritual sense and jesus said that deliverance will come only from this kind through fasting and prayer. And that's what I'm trying to speak to you about today. Because I believe that there are some of you that are sitting here that you're wondering why God isn't moving. You're wondering why this isn't working out. You're wondering why you're, you're going back to the same place. You're doing what you feel like you're supposed to be doing. You're you're fighting spiritual battles, and there are other areas that it's okay, but there's one area that you can't get past, and, 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 and I'm telling you that if you can't get past it, if it's overcoming you and you can't break through, this is the key. This is it. Jesus said, these kinds are only delivered through fasting and prayer. Amen? I want to close with this. I believe some of us are here today, and maybe that's where you are. You're right in the middle of a spiritual war, and you can't get out of it. And you prayed, and you believed, but you feel like you've been knocked down and getting kicked around by the enemy. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it's in your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's with your family, your kids. Maybe it's with with your finances. Jesus has called you to a better place than that. He's called us to live victorious. He's given us the victory in our lives. You're not called to defeat. You're not called to walk around depressed, defeated, oppressed. You're not called to walk around in lack. 
That's not your calling. God has called you to victory. And if you're sitting here thinking, well, why am I not experiencing that? If you feel like you're doing everything that you should be doing, I, I'm not, I, I can't pretend to know like I know the answers, but I can tell you that this is the thing that breaks the yoke that the enemy has in our lives. If you feel like you've lived in bondage or if you feel like the situation that you're in is overwhelming, this is what breaks the bondage in our lives. If you feel like you're suffering or if you feel like you're in a habit or an addiction in your life, if you feel like you're experiencing things, this is the key to breaking bondage in your life. And I want to challenge you today. If you've tried everything else, this could be the very thing to turn your situation around. And here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you. I want, you, I want to challenge you for the next seven days, and I'm not going to tell you what to fast, but I'm going to challenge you for the next seven days. Don't miss this opportunity to take this stand with your church because most of us are involved in this. And I don't do this because I need something, I need something to do. I need the church to do, and this is what churches do. I can honestly say that I'm not looking forward to you know, to next week as from, from, a, from a, a, a personal point of view. I like eating. I like to eat. I'm not really looking forward to that part. But the reason I do it is because I'm looking forward to the victory that God is going to bring into my life after I get done. I've been doing this for 19 years. And I'm telling you, if you get a hold of this, if you haven't gotten a hold of this as a follower of Christ, if you will get a hold of this, it'll change the situation that you're believing God to change. Amen? So let me pray with you in agreement. If you're seated next to somebody that you love, let's pray together. Take them by the hand. There's power in agreement. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here and, and speaking to us and even challenging us in this area of our lives. And I pray for every individual, every person here that makes a decision to take this step to fast and pray for one week. I pray, Lord, first of all, that you'll give us the strength to do it. This, you're going to speak to us individually, I believe, and you're, you're going to tell us what we need to give up. And second of all, I believe that you're going to strengthen us to be able to do this. And third of all, I believe that whatever needs to be broken, whatever needs to be released in our lives, that's going to happen. And on the other side of this, Lord, you're going to give us a victory. You're going to give us personal victory in our lives, and you're going to give us a corporate victory as a, as a church whole, God. Give us collective victory, Lord, as a church to accomplish what you've called us to accomplish. And we believe you for it. And we take this step in the name of Jesus. And if you believe that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. Like I always do, if you don't know Christ, if he's not Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to give you an opportunity to come to the Lord. To surrender your life. Whether your story is, Travis, I've, I've never given my life to Christ. I have never, not one time, said, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe your story is that at some point you live for God, but you walked away from God. And today you feel like he's, he's dealing with your heart, and you need to surrender. You need to give him your life. I'd like to lead you in a prayer where you can give your life to Christ. I won't, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to come down here. I won't single you out in any way. This is, just, this is just between you, me, and God, with nobody looking around. Just between you, me, and God, you can say, Travis, 
I feel like God is speaking to me today to surrender my life to him. And if you will pray that prayer, I'm going to pray it with you, Travis. And I'm serious about this. Real quickly, just put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying for somebody. See your hand in the front. You can put it down. See your hand over there in the back. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't know if I saw everybody. All right, I know we had at least a couple. So as we pray, if you, if you lifted your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer. And we'll all pray with you together. And even if you didn't lift your hand, you can still say this prayer because more importantly, God sees your heart. And you can give your life to Christ. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I am before you today and I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. And I invite you into my heart and I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me clean and whole by your love and grace. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.